1 Chronicles 17. When David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of Yahweh's covenant is in a tent. Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. That same night the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Yahweh says, You shall not build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day that I brought up Israel to this day. For I have gone from tent to tent, and from one tent to another. In all places in which I have walked with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to be shepherd of my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore you shall tell my servant David, Yahweh of armies says, I took you from the sheep pen, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make you a name like the name of the great ones who are in the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be moved no more. The children of wickedness will not waste them any more as at first, and from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. I will subdue your enemies. Moreover, I tell you that Yahweh will, will build you a house. It will happen when your days are fulfilled that you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your offspring after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will not take my loving kindness away from him, as I took it from him who is before you, but I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Then David the king went in and sat before Yahweh, and he said, Who am I, Yahweh God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was a small thing in your eyes, God, but you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have respected me according to the standard of a man of high degree, Yahweh God. What can David say, yet more to you concerning the honour which is done to your servant? For you know your servant. Yahweh, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to make known all these great things. Yahweh, there is no one like you, neither is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. What one nation in the earth is like your people, Israel, whom God went to redeem to himself for a people, to make you a name by great and awesome things, in driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed out of Egypt. For you made your people Israel your own people forever, and you, Yahweh, became their God. Now, Yahweh, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever. Do as you have spoken. Let your name be established and magnified forever, saying, Yahweh of armies is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. The house of David your servant is established before you. For you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray before you. Now Yahweh, you are God, and have promised this good thing to your servant. Now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, Yahweh, have blessed, and it is blessed. 
forever. David, um, he, he thought a lot about the Lord. He, um, he wasn't someone that only thought about what was best for him, but he contemplated what was best for God. And um, David thought of something that no one else thought of before, building God a temple. And it's interesting because the children of Israel have been a nation now for like, uh, uh, what is it, 400 years by this point. And in all this period of time, no one ever had the idea of building God a temple. It never occurred to anyone. I think what's really interesting about David is, first of all, that he actually thinks about what God wants. I mean, how many people do that? How often do you just sit around thinking, you know, I wonder what God wants? Most people don't do it. And clearly in, the ancient, in ancient times, most people didn't do it either. So David's interesting like that because he actually contemplates what the Lord desires and he wants good things. Um, but he comes up with an idea that no one's ever had before. He, he says, let's build God a house. Now, from our perspective, it's kind of obvious, you know, oh, yeah, we live in nice houses, you know, God's building should be nice as well. It's an obvious thought, but he, David's clearly thinking different to other people because he he's, has a unique idea. What's interesting about it is God clearly knows this is going to be an idea for David, but God never gives a hint of it. God, God is purposely just happy being in a tent because he's, he's wanting... The way I look at this is I, I see this as a kind of like a spirit-led initiative. Like, for example, David, he's really taking initiative here. He's thinking of God and saying, you know what? Here's something that even God himself hasn't said. God never said, I want a house. But he's realized, you know what? We could do something even better for the Lord. <laughs> it's very, very cool. It's spirit-led because I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit gave the idea to David. But David was looking for an idea. And so I think that's, that's very cool. And we ought to be people of spirit-led initiative. Uh, people who want to do something for God and we're looking to take the initiative and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Some people have said, oh, the temple wasn't God's plan. It was just, you know, God gave in to David what David wanted. That's complete rubbish. <laughs> no, the, the Lord himself the temple was a picture of the Lord. Jesus, when he came in the New Testament, said, used the temple as an illustration of his own body. He said, I'm going to tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. Now, the theme of a temple is well woven into the Bible. And just because God never mentioned a temple before this doesn't mean it wasn't part of God's plan. There's a lot of things in the Bible that have a starting point. Like the idea of Mount Zion has a starting point with David too, when David conquers Jerusalem. There's a lot of things that have a starting point it doesn't mean it's not in the mind and the heart of the Lord. And this, this completely does. And it's called Solomon's temple because you know Solomon is the one who ends up building it. But really, it's David's temple because David has the idea. Solomon never would have had the idea. Solomon wasn't someone who had this level of initiative that David had. Now, Solomon had initiative for the kingdom, you know, building up this city and building up that wall and trading with these people and forging alliances. Like Solomon certainly had initiative. David has God-given initiative. He has initiative for God. And that's the best type. And um, so David, you know, gets the idea. It's his temple. Um, this is why it should really be called David's temple. He gets the idea. He seeks the Lord. He saves up the money. He puts aside the wealth for it. 
and he puts aside the plans for it. It's David's plan, it's his idea, it's his plan, and he funds it, and it would never have been possible if he didn't have an, a mini empire with peace and the ability to build that thing there. It's completely not possible without David. So it really should be called David's temple. So when the prophet Nathan comes back to him and says, you know, you're not the one to build a house for me, your son is going to build it. That, of course, was Solomon who built the house. But the, Solomon, the son that really built the house was Christ, because this house is an eternal, it's an eternal temple that's being spoken of. The physical, the physical son built the physical temple, and that physical thing was a real symbol. It, it was, a, it was a, a real thing in the world that was a symbol of a much greater real. And the much greater real was a much greater temple built by a much greater son who sat on a throne of a much greater kingdom that would never, ever end. An eternal kingdom. A kingdom that you and I are a part of now, and that's very, very cool. And I think it's so interesting, you know, like, because we just went through the book of 2 Samuel and went through all the kings, you know, David and, and Solomon and Rehoboam and, you know, Asa and Abijah and all the different ones that went down. And, and um, Jehoshaphat, you know, and it, uh, Josiah, look, and the terrible king Manasseh. And we know all the kings that were following on from David. And we think God promised to establish this kingdom forever. And obviously, at first, it was a physical kingdom, but because it, it led to Jesus Christ, you know, the line went down to Jesus Christ. And along that line, some of the things that happened, they looked so dicey. It looked like it was all over. Like when Queen Italia rose to destroy the kingdom and she was trying to kill every descendant. You know, well, the Lord knew that she wasn't going to succeed. He knew that was going to happen, and yet he still said to David, that your son will sit on an eternal kingdom, the throne. Son, you know, Jesus Christ came from that line. Or, you know, when Jeconiah slash Jehoiachin was taken off to Babylon and, you know, put in jail, it looked like it was all over right then. But all of a sudden, you know, the king of Babylon, evil Merodach, pulls him out of prison, gives him a position at the table, feeds him, clothes him. He has sons. So the line continues. Incredible. And, uh, or King Manasseh, how evil he was. <laughs> Look, that was the low point for sure. And yet the Lord knew all of that stuff. At the t time that God was making this promise to David, you will never fail to have a son to sit on the throne. He knew all this stuff that was going to happen. It's, it's remarkable. And at the end of, when David hears all of that, he says to the Lord, who am I that you would promise such things? But then he says to the Lord, do it. Do it as you have spoken. So David is an interesting combination of humility and gratitude and faith. And so a lot of us, where humility, we have humility, say, oh, I don't deserve it. It's not true humility, actually, that, but it's, it's a type of humility. Oh, I don't deserve it. And because we feel lowly, like the scum of the earth, we don't have much faith. I've been there plenty of times. Um, but humility and gratitude, you know, saying I don't deserve it, but Thank you. Um, then you can say with faith, Lord, do it. <laughs> David does it, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that should be our attitude towards the Lord's promises. We should say to the Lord, Lord, it's just me. Uh, you saved a wretch like me. I don't deserve your goodness, but Lord, your promises, do it. Your promises for my children. Lord, that your children's children shall not depart from the, the mouth of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Lord, do it. Remind the Lord of his promises and pray them into reality. Lord, hold, hold the Lord to it, just like David does here. Father, thank you for this chapter. Thank you for your promise to David. 
He wanted to build you a house and you built him one. Lord, we wanna build you a house too. We wanna see your name established in the earth and lifted up. But I also pray, Lord, you strengthen our house, strengthen our families, help us to live for you and do what's right, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.